Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real, honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I'm Sarah, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Charlie. Hi, friends. Crystal. Hey there. And Chef. Hey, everybody. And today on Rethinking Youth Ministry, we're going to discuss the question, how do we set healthy boundaries in youth ministry? And I think everybody here has had some professional youth ministry experience and probably has had some stories of having done this well and maybe not so well. So I would love to hear some of you guys talk about your experiences in this. I thought we should have added a laugh track when you said healthy boundaries and student ministry. <laughs> I know. I was like, some of you have done this well, and some of you have had dumpster yeah. fires yeah. and boundaries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that would mean you guys have not done a great job. Yes. Accurate. Okay. 100%. Who wants to go first? Any stories, Charlie? Yeah. Um, I was serving in the local church in student ministry, had been there 10 plus years, and at the end of the day on our big worship night, would have to be pushed to my car by my assistant in my office chair because I literally couldn't walk. Wow. And I just wasn't listening to my body. And why? Because it all had to be done, right? Right. And I'm working for God and I'm working for the church and everything is so important. And I ended up in the hospital with an 18 millimeter kidney stone. So apparently that bad boy had been roasting for a while. (laughs) And um, so I was in the hospital for a week and then still left with um, some attachments that kept me out of work for pretty much an entire season. Wow. I did not know any of this. It was crazy. That is is crazy. And I feel like if I would have just slowed down enough to hear the hurt a little bit more yeah. and not got to the point of pushing myself yeah. in my office chair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I needed some boundaries for sure. But I yeah. think what you said about the fact that it's ministry and you're doing it for God, yep. I feel like mm-hmm. that is the major tension point that this work feels bigger and than any other kind of work. Right. And Eternal so destinies are on the yeah. line mm-hmm. if I don't do this. Well, it's purpose, Yeah. right? I mean, we love purpose. I have friends all the time. They're jealous of my job, even though they make I don't know, several times more than (laughs) I do as a youth pastor, but they're jealous of the purpose. And it is a great part, but it's Mm -hmm. also a dangerous part. In fact, I think, you know, one of the things that frustrates me about the American church, and this is probably true internationally, is like we leverage that purpose sometimes unethically, I feel like, because you you, you find someone who's high on responsibility, Mm -hmm. super excited, you under-resource them, and then you just, I mean... And so I understand how it gets there, but it frustrates me to sit and talk with coaches, to talk mm-hmm. with these youth yeah. pastors as we get to go around the country at Orange Tour or wherever it is, and they're just done and they're yeah. tired. And that, and it, in one hand, you feel responsible yeah. for yeah. everything. And sure. I think, I think at the end of the day, and this might be something we need to end with, but at the end of the day, saying no is a faith issue. Like we have to trust the fact that we're not the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's in charge of this and that we're part of a kid's story and not necessarily the yeah. answer to a kid. But it, in the midst of it, you it's feel so hard to the way, do don't that. you? Yeah. It's always someone's senior year. Right. Yeah. right. You yeah. can't let the yeah. program die because it's always someone's senior year. Some kids' parents are always going through a divorce. Yeah. It's going to be just a season until it's your whole life. It's right. just a season right. of sprinting. Um, yeah. Charlie, I thought it was interesting that you brought up your health because that's always been an indicator for me. Hmm. Um, I am very fortunate to be blessed with a body that only gets sick when it has time to. I don't <laughs> oh. know how that's real. Well, that's um, fascinating. That is it, interesting. It is. I think it's 
I just run on adrenaline until I don't. And then, but I noticed um, maybe a few years into teaching, I was volunteering at the local church about 40 hours a week and and teaching 40 (laughs) hours a week. And I had been sick five Christmases in a row. Huh. And not, I'm not talking Christmas Day. I'm talking the full two-week break, mm. hospitalized. Like, wow, I was sick for five Christmases in a row. And it yeah. was just wearing myself out during the whole wow. semester until I collapsed at the end. And, and as I bring that up, there's a certain sense of conviction. And I feel like we need to say to the listeners, we don't all have this figured out. Right. Oh, my gosh. Because yeah. I am Far right now <laughs> thinking about the fact that I have been sick the last two vacations we've been on. Yeah. I've spent uh. four days in other countries laying in a hotel room. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so we're all still trying yeah. to figure this out, but I think our health is sometimes the first thing to go. No, I think yeah. you're, you I mean, you joked about run on adrenaline the whole time, but that's mm-hmm. really what you're doing. Oh, your sure. body's running at a, an emergency. Your body's built to run it. It's not built to run an emergency all the time, right. but that's how we run. Mm-hmm. And so when it's not an emergency, that's exactly what happens. It goes into repair mode. And, um, but long term, yeah. it is not good. For you, yeah, you like mentally, spiritually. Like, I have the conversation a lot. I'm going to get super preachy on this one, guys. I'm sorry, <laughs> bring yeah. it. But you know, yeah. like, I devoted my second half of my career to helping youth pastors, and I think this is top three thing. Like, this is it. Like, you feel responsible for everything, and you have to give up something, mm-hmm. and you will give up something one of these days if you don't address it. Yep. It will either be taken from you, or you can give it away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. You know, what is it? What do you guys find in the people you talk to or coach or, you know, conversations with youth pastors? This is something that they struggle with personally, or is it a top-down leadership issue as well? Like the encouragement from senior leadership, like you have to do all these events, you have to do, and so they don't feel the freedom to say no. I mean, people will do that as long as you allow them to do that. I I don't think that's a top-down senior pastor issue. I think that's a... Any industry, any organization, yeah. as long as you're able to take on more, right? You will be asked. You're giving to them take permission to ask you to do more. more. And yeah. if you're talented and you get things done, you're you high will responsibility be asked to right. take on more and all those sorts of things. So, in some ways, it's a good sign. But I think I think it is a church culture thing. Uh-huh. It is a something that people value. It is something that people celebrate. How hard people work yeah. all the yes. time. But at the end of the day, it's just not. It's not realistic. Yeah. It's, um, and it's tough and it's fun to get more and to be asked for more if you're leading, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to be recognized as someone who can get stuff done. Super fun. But for sure, like you said, we, I am terrible at this. I'm in a season. I, I feel like I'm in a pendulum where right. for about a quarter, two or three months of the year, I swing over to like, I'm really taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, and then I keep saying yes to good things. Right. Well, and isn't that the problem things. that it's they're good things There's and they feel that... like they're have to. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and then I find myself for a quarter of the year where I am right now, to be mm-hmm. quite honest, like I have too much to do and yeah. this will not, I cannot maintain. I made a comment yesterday. I was like, if I may, if I try to maintain this in a year or two, you will find me in rehab. I know my, <laughs> and, you know, and I came out of my mouth without thinking. And then I thought, well, it's true. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. If I'm not taking care of myself, if I'm not protecting my faith, mm-hmm. my sanity, my spiritual health, my physical health, my emotional health, 
that's where that's right. that's where you nobody ends up in rehab on purpose. Like that's right. you know that's that's how it goes. So. Yeah. Hey, you said something so interesting, and I don't want to pass by it because yeah. I've thought about this a number of times. Protecting my faith. There yeah. is something that's so good. dangerous, mm-hmm. I think, about your job and your faith being connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as leaders who are in that world, and we're in that world, mm-hmm. and you're in that world, I think we have to be very careful that some things attached to our faith are just ours. That not everything related to our spirituality right. is also connected to our professional that's world so because yeah. that can get super messy and it may very well be your personal faith that's on the line. Right. That I, was something I had yeah. to sort out coming from public schools that's and the ministry yeah. mm-hmm. of like my faith was never on the line in public schools because it wasn't mm-hmm. a visible part of my job yeah. that anyone would ever comment on. You yeah. know, but that's, that's something I've been learning. So how did it affect you, Charlie, in that season? Um, how did it affect your family when you felt like oh. you were so, you did not that have That I boundaries. worked for God so much that I was never with God. Yeah. Right? And those moments and the busyness really compromised my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember third grade. My daughter's yeah. third grade year is really a blur for me because I feel like that's when ministry was growing. And mm-hmm. I know that just being so busy all the time mm-hmm. really was affecting my spirit and my heart. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stepping out of the local church has been rebuilding my inner core and my relationship with yeah. God. Because before, every time I was reading the Bible, it was for a sermon. Right. It was to write something. Yep. Right. Um, and now I'm just so cautious of time with God, mm-hmm. not just for Him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. hard. Yeah. It's hard as a mom to say, hey, yeah. guys, don't even remember third grade. Good times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. so hard. Yeah. So it, it seems like your physical health can suffer, your emotional health, your faith, your Absolutely. family. I also feel like there's probably some pressure on single youth pastors to not have pers- great personal boundaries because they don't necessarily have the family at home to go mm-hmm. back to or yeah. the kids or the wife or the husband. Well, and I think, oh, I hate saying but I think the church sometimes takes advantage of yeah. that. I've seen that a lot. Well, they don't have to rush home to a spouse right. or mm-hmm. kids, so they can just stay and work X number more hours. Oh, that's yeah. not even implied. I've heard that overtly said <laughs> a yeah. number yeah. of times. Right. Oh, you don't have a child to go pick up, or you don't have mm-hmm. anybody waiting on you at mm-hmm. home. You can stay later. You can stay until the last parent picks up the yeah. last child, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, this is an interesting one because I also, on the other hand, as I've managed young leaders mm-hmm. who, like, they'll read the book Choosing to Cheat or it's renamed something else. Now. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. where, you know, you basically choose to cheat on one thing or the other mm-hmm. and choose to cheat on work is, is the general idea. But, you know, they're 25 years old and they're, you know, they're like, well, got to go home. I'm like, what are you like? Right. I believe in a season where you work hard. Right. But I th- I, it's not about the hour spent as much as if you look back at your week. Did you take care of yourself? Right. Were there mm-hmm. times where you, I love what you said, where I was with God, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or I separated working for God and being with God. I think that's great. Am I taking care of myself physically? Am I, you know, do I have community mm-hmm. and have I surrounded myself some way with people who love what I love and mm-hmm. do what I do, which is one reason we do this podcast because right. yeah. so many of you out there and you are working hard and you are under-resourced, overworked and... Um, you're the only one in your church who does who, yeah. do, who does what you do. So, <laughs> you know, we just we're just excited to be in your car with you right now. So, hope this helps. Yeah, I think that's a it's a good point that it really is a, a spectrum. You're, you've got yeah. like the overworked, and then you've got the using it as an excuse yeah. as well. To well, there's not... excuse, and and I I, mm-hmm. I I know you hate to say it, but I think someone's got to like 
that we as the church are running some of our most talented mm. folks into yeah. the ground yep. and they're overworked and underutilized and we're not developing leaders because of the stuff that's going on. So yeah. yep. uh, anyway, I told you I was going to get preachy. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's good. Still sitting with the phrase overworked and underutilized. I know. Wow. That's good. So you guys have shared some great stories, Crystal in the hospital and Charlie in the chair being pushed out to her car. But what are some of the symptoms people should be looking for before it gets to this <laughs> critical moment where you're in the hospital? I mean, I think there's a lot of them, right? Yeah. Um, for me, the telltale signal is when I get really short with people in conversations mm, and I'm not good. trying to be a jerk. I'm just trying to be efficient Yeah. because there's no time, but it sounds like I'm a jerk. You can always tell the shorter my conversation, probably the more stressed or the more overworked or the worse I've been at keeping some boundaries and making mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who, um, in my men's group and he will kind of, you know, call us out on it. And the term he uses, he goes, so you're leaking oil. And, uh, he would say something like that, like something's that up. Gross. Yeah. What that like the engine, <laughs> it means the engine's running, yep. the engine's oh. running fine. The car's working, but if you took time to look back there are you know like there's, there's oil problems. on the floor and there's something coming that you know you can fix it now for a hundred bucks or you can wait and have the That's new car thing you know what right. i mean so um you've got to take care of it and so he's always like uh being short with people's one mm -hmm. just i mean that i think that's i would just get frustrated with people like yeah. i find myself just like everybody's wrong you know right, right. <laughs> and uh, as my aunt mark would say when everybody's wrong but you yeah. <laughs> Look at you. Yeah. So <laughs> um, that, that's a good one. I think. I think that's also important who you're short with, because I think with student ministry or youth ministry, you, you are having relationships with these students. And so you're, you're pouring into them, but then you're short with yeah. your personal friends or your family. Right. That's like, you're, you're invested in these relationships. So it doesn't necessarily look right. like task oriented. You're still investing people. Well, this well, is a good point with the family thing though. Because when you have a job like ours that's so full of purpose, uh -huh. it is the people closest to you that pay the bills right. for your overwork. Yep. And we've just got to be careful with it. So yeah. looking at your calendar and seeing where you spent your time, I think, is something, mm -hmm. you know. I said, I thought to myself last night, you know what? I'm an hour's worth of sleep in a 20-minute review of my notes on a daily basis away from being a kick-butt leader. It was kind of like this. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, like, yeah. I've been working at this for 45 years and I still can't, yeah. you know get on top of it. But if I can get some more sleep, so sleep might be like, That's how much good. sleep are you getting? Yeah, right. I mean, the, the research coming out on sleep right now is nuts yeah. how important it is. Isn't and then, crazy? you know, I just feel like I just take notes and I never go back and look at them. Yeah. And so like, if I just go back and make sure if I'm writing down ideas, I need to review it at some point. Right. So anyway, that was a random thought, but it was something that came across my mind yesterday. That's good. As I was going to the next meeting. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so short with people, that's a good kind of indicator. What else would you guys say? Well, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, okay. so I'm a really great driver mm -hmm. and can do a lot of things. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I notice for me, when I start dropping things, mm -hmm. and that's not a habit for me, and I notice that something didn't get completed or done, that's a sure sign that I'm leaking oil. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, because I'm like, I'm not something that doesn't complete things. Yeah. Right? right. And then if the 15th thing drops, then I'm like, Ooh, I'm so scattered. I can't yeah. keep it all together at this point. Okay. So that feels like you need to have a self-awareness of who you are and what that looks like for you. Cause it'll I be think different. All good leaders need to be pretty self-aware of what that looks like yeah. for them mm -hmm. and their down moments and those times when they are like, Oh, that's the time I need to put on the brakes. Right. That's good. 
it's also pretty noticeable for me when I start skipping out on the boundaries that I've already set or the rules that I already have in place for myself. Right. Like when I notice I haven't exercised in two weeks, mm-hmm. I like I've started eating nothing but Cheetos and watching nothing but Real Housewives. <laughs> I might be in a bad place, you guys. Or no judgment if I find myself working on the weekends, mm-hmm. which for us, a weekend is a traditional Saturday, Sunday. We try not to do a whole lot. There's nothing wrong with a season of that, but if it becomes a habit, right? Mm-hmm. then I've broken my own rule and and that's become a new rule of mm-hmm. this is the new way we do things, and then that's a problem. Mm-hmm. It also seems like you would need to be willing to listen to what other people speaking into your life. So even if you can't see the signs, to be able to listen to other people who see the signs in you and, and not adjust accordingly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Be open enough to hear it. Well, when you've washed the same load of towels three and four times <laughs> and your husband goes, is everything going okay with you? Because I know Because it hasn't gotten out of the dry, in right. yeah. wash and then he's washing yeah. again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's a good way of thinking about it. That is a good one. Yeah. Or when people make just casual comments that are almost compliments, like, wow, you work a lot or, oh, you are always at work these days. It must be a busy season. I'm like, no, it's a busy life. Right, right. <laughs> you know, another That's way good. they say it is, I know you're busy, but. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, I don't want to bother you, but like, mm-hmm. listen to those things. When people are saying that all the, all the time, it's like, hmm, that's interesting. So we've talked a lot about the problems that come with burnout, the symptoms of it, what it looks like. So what, what can we start recommending people to do and recommend to ourselves to do to, to prevent this from happening? I have a lot of great ideas um, because... I tried to implement them in my life. Yeah. So please, I'm not saying this because I'm great at it. I'm saying that I've tried these things and I feel like here are some things that have yeah. worked for me. Especially in student ministry, I like to use the word Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So I Sabbath on Fridays. So mm-hmm. that means moms cannot burn up my phone because Johnny's having issues. Right. I didn't answer your email because I'm Sabbathing. And I feel like using that word people respected, then it's okay. my day Interesting. off. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And it had a little more leverage to it. Okay. And I'm going to be really honest with you. I started doing silence, Mm -hmm. days of silence. It really started with 30 minutes because I broke out in hives because I don't do silence (laughs) well. Um, Baby steps. That sounds sounds great. Yeah, Yeah. baby steps. Um, I think in student ministry, we are so busy. Yeah. We don't ever have time to be silent. Mm -hmm. And I feel like sometimes when we're silent, it's scary Mm -hmm. because there's some ugly truths that can bubble to the surface when you're truly quiet and Mm -hmm. you're with God. And we would just rather go and help a student or sit with a family than to deal with some of our own crud. Mm -hmm. And so I started a habit of silence and just kind of being Mm -hmm. in those moments. Um, and that's not easy. Yeah. And I'm not good at it. Um, I still work at it. I even have a guide. (laughs) I'm such an eight. I have an Uh, (laughs) outline of like how to do everything, Mm -hmm. but I ran away from silence because it's terrifying. Yeah. But in those moments I could begin to heal a little bit from the, you know, the hurt from church and work. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's great. I mean, I have a whole list of things that I've been working on and not doing perfectly. I don't know where we even start with the list. One of them is, for me, one of my Sabbath days is Saturday. And so the cell phone, as much as I can, gets locked away and left at home, which, believe it or not, you can go out to dinner. You can go hang out with friends and not have your phone with you. 
And I don't have the self-control to not answer the text. I wish I did. So you just leave it. I don't have the self-control to not think about the email notification Mm -hmm. I got, even if I'm not answering it. Yeah. I'm still thinking about it and I'm not wherever I should be. And so I've been trying to just lock the phone away. Do you know Amazon sells a cell phone jail? You, you see that? Yeah, you might need that. You have to have a lockbox for it. <laughs> that you uh, lock it and it's like timer yep, or something. Yep, like it it's is. not going to let you get to not it. Not going to let you get to uh, it. It's brilliant. The glove box in my car works too. <laughs> like, you don't actually works. need the. I don't the actually lock. need. But somebody's the lock. making a lot of money on that idea. Yeah, it's I, brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's super smart. If I had teenage kids, for sure, mm-hmm. right? I would get jail. them a cell phone mm-hmm. lockbox because it is addicting. Yeah. And super unhealthy. Something else I learned a few years ago, just based on reading a random article on the internet, which is where you should get all your life advice. <laughs> um, Google's machine. <laughs> is there was a study that people who enjoyed their lives the most made the most of their weekends. And one of the ways that they did that was by planning an event at the latest possible time in the weekend. So for me now, that would be Sunday night. If you're in youth ministry, Sunday's a work day, probably. So maybe that's Saturday night. Um, but the reason was we all tend to go to work mentally mm-hmm. whenever we're halfway through the day. Whatever the last event was right. on, for me, Sundays, I would go to work after lunch on Sundays. And so yeah. we started planning for people to come over and have dinner with us and play board games on Sunday nights. And it was so helpful that it ended up lasting for about three years. It got to like 16 people were coming to my house right. and then it just got crazy and became stressful. So we stopped <laughs> doing it. Um, but it was so helpful to plan something and yeah. to say, hey, that part of my weekend is it's off limits. Weekend. That's yeah. such a good I'm not going to have that's half a of a weekend. So Sunday nights were powerful. The other thing that's been really helpful for me is I get up really early on Monday mornings okay. and spend some time planning the week making a checklist, looking at my schedule. And when I don't do that, it's not because I'm getting an extra hour of sleep (laughs) and and I'm somehow more helpful for not doing that. It's actually when I am the least in control is when I'm not doing that. And so to have control of my week, I just try to get up early on Monday morning and spend time working on that. Yeah. That's I think that's awesome. I, you know, I was listening to you. I am good at not answering texts, as you guys know, who work with me. <laughs> well, like now that you night, bring it up. <laughs> well, it's such a text culture. I've had to try to get used to yeah. this because mm-hmm. my brain does not do many things at once. And so what I've learned about myself is I have to turn off all my notifications. Mm-hmm. Like I have an Apple watch right now that does nothing that it can do because I've turned everything <laughs> off on it because I couldn't stand it would vibrate and tell me to breathe. I'm like, shut up. You know, mm-hmm. like I was thinking about something. <laughs> And, um, and so I've learned, I keep my phone on the nighttime setting, Oh yeah, like, mm. like during night. the day, yeah, I yeah. because I will read my text when I want to read my text. Not, does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty good at it. And again, I completely understand the, if I know that text is there, I have to read mm-hmm. it thing, which mm-hmm. is why I've had to, and I've had a, a few years more practice than you have. <laughs> um, so turning off notifications is really important, I think. So I can try to be present and focus mm-hmm during the, you know, doing the things I'm, I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And I look at people who I think are super effective and they seem to be able to do six or seven things at once. But I also sometimes wonder, like, I wonder if that's actually going to work long-term. Right. You know what I'm I mean? Sure. Yeah. I mean, every, you know, the older I get, the more I've realized, you know, when we were, when we saw a young couple and they had all the nice cars in this house, we would say, how do they do that? Or right. I saw, you know, or, you know, they seem to have, we would say, well, how do they do that? And what we've found out over the years is after many divorces and many, right. you know, it's like they weren't, you know, and yeah. financial situations and they weren't doing it. And they were, they were doing what many of you are doing right now, which is yeah. running yourself into the ground. 
because everything's important and everything's an emergency. And the reality is, again, I'm going to come back to it. It's a faith issue. I remember one of my favorite talks by Doug Fields, he was talking about he had set aside an evening with Kathy, his wife, and mm-hmm. they were going to have dinner. And just as he was sitting down, there was a knock at the door and some kids like, Doug, I need to talk to you. And he like, looked at him and said, are you going to kill yourself before tomorrow morning? And he said, no, he said, and he slammed the door. And as it was closing, he said, call me in the morning. That's amazing. <laughs> that is awesome. Like, that is. That's the difference between like, we see all of it as emergency, but yeah, the reality right. is we can really like, it's, it's just not, it's yeah. just not. And usually time fixes things yeah. and yes. before we even jump into it. So anyway, I thought it was an interesting thing. And um, <laughs> so uh, one thing I do, I'm terrible with my days, but I'm much better with my long-term plans. So uh-huh. calendar-wise, like I set vacations and I stick to them. I know when I need vacations, I need a vacation in late February, mm-hmm. you know, just something about not enough daylight, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do they call that? I think seasonal, seasonal effective effect. disorder, yeah. sad. And I think that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is for me, at least. And so I, I need something to look forward to, much like your mm-hmm. weekend. I need it more like... I can get through these next two weeks of right. these things to do, knowing that's coming, something to look forward to, something to plan. So that's always something. And I'm pretty good at like the rhythm of meetings and stuff like mm-hmm. that and planning out long-term. It's during the day that I tend to fill all those little yeah. 20 and 40 minute spots, which are for rest and mm-hmm. catch yeah. up and mm-hmm. maybe just go sit in my car, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever yeah. it's going to yeah. take. I love that. The, um, the difference between the calendar and the clock. Yeah. That paying attention to both to yeah. be healthy. I love that I'm not the only one who hides in my car when I need a minute. Oh. That is the truth. I love yeah. getting work done in my car. Yeah. I'll go drive. I'll do a lap, you know. I'm, yeah. It's just, I'll turn the radio off and it, you know, it'll be quiet. Yeah. And so that sounds I good. used to listen to talk radio. This is another idea that you might have um, just because I love thinking about and wrestling with ideas, but that's not silence and that's not rest. And so I had to learn to turn, I don't listen to talk radio anymore in the car. I either listen to just, you know, good music or a lot of times it's nothing, which allows me time to, and it's amazing what bubbles up, isn't it? No, it is. And and it's amazing how hard it is that you're like, how uncomfortable to sit without anything on the yeah, radio. Right. And well, and if we don't make space for it to bubble up during the day, I don't know if this is true for you, it bubbles up when I'm laying in bed at night. Yes. Mm. When I have to yes. be quiet, yeah. then I'm thinking through all the things that right. I probably could have thought through on yeah. the drive home. Yeah. So I think all these things so far work in the professional world as yeah. well, but is there anything specific to ministry that you, th- any tips when it comes to preventing burnout that would be ministry specific that you guys would recommend? I really worked on my prayer life mm-hmm. because I found that my prayer life was always focused on other people. And I was always praying for someone else, another situation, mm-hmm. and I wasn't connecting to God through my prayer yeah. life. And so um, I just kind of started being more legit about what's going on with me in my prayer mm-hmm. life and kind of turning that over to God, which everyone probably says that they do already, but really the majority of my prayer life was for other people. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because that feels spirit more spiritual. Right. There's almost something attached like, oh, I'm so focused on other people. I don't need to pay attention to me when in fact, well, when that, you're not taking care of yourself, yeah. you're not helping other people either. I okay. think somewhere along the line in ministry though, we start ignoring the stuff that makes our chest tight Mm -hmm. and and our eyes well up a little bit because we're so focused on what everyone else and what's hurting them that we forget that we have our own hurts and we're just not turning that over to God. Right. 
but it's true because, well, her priority is it's more than mine. Like right. I'll just take right. care of myself yeah. later. Yeah. Um, and that's a leaky oil situation, right? Yeah. When that's everything good. is about other people, but you're never, gosh, it's the for God, with God thing mm-hmm. again. Yeah. That's good. One thing that was really helpful for me is an, an older leader who had been down the road a lot farther than me said, hey, every time you pick up the phone, you're teaching people when it's okay to call you. Oh, that's good. And we don't keep normal business hours in ministry. And so yeah. there's not a sign on the door that says closed. There's no answering service. And I always felt like, well, just this one time. Mm-hmm. Or I'll pick up because they really need it. And in reality, I was always teaching them, this is a good time to call. Mm-hmm. This is a good time to call or text or mm-hmm. Instagram direct message me, which is kind of yeah. where we are now. Um, and I think it's okay to teach kids and parents and coworkers that there are sometimes I'm probably not going to answer. Yeah. The other thing that I noticed that's a little different about ministry than anywhere else is there are very few jobs that are going to require you to work 24 hours a day for five days straight. Oh, my mm-hmm. heart. Um, <laughs> and we need some time off after mm-hmm. camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like... If That's you're required good. to yeah. come on Monday after you've got home from camp Sunday night, there may need to be a conversation there because our bodies can't do that, but my brain can't do that right. either, mm-hmm. right. especially as an introvert, you guys. Yeah. I need some quiet, quiet. after mm-hmm. that. That's good. I mean, I, I, I don't know that this is specific to ministry, but maybe it's harder in ministry. Like this whole idea of boundaries means you're saying no to things. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that's important. One of the things you have to ask yourself is, what have I said no to? And if there's nothing you've said no to, there's a sign that you're on your way that's a good to question. burnout. Yeah. Um, so for instance, like you, there's, again, I think we hit on it a little bit. There's two things going on here in ministry is one, there's this external church culture mm-hmm. of busy is good, sacrifice is good, which it is to a certain extent. And, you know, uh, on the other hand, you have this internal thing as well. So I I love the fact that you said you might have to go go have a conversation with somebody and say, Mm -hmm. I'm at the end of my rope. And that somebody may not agree with you. Hmm. Yep. And you may be in a caustic environment that you need to, you you know, start to figure out what's the next step. If I'm not going to be allowed to take care of myself here, Mm -hmm. this might be the wrong place. And I know that sucks to hear for some of you because you feel one, these kids, you know them, you love them, everything else. Um, but you are no use to those kids if you run yourself into the ground yeah. at some point. And maybe, maybe it'll make a statement. Maybe, you know, maybe it won't. That's the reality of it. Yeah. But there are places who want healthy youth ministers and need healthy mm-hmm. youth ministers. I can tell you that or youth workers, whatever the better word is for it. On the other hand, you also have to say no to yourself on those things. Like right. saying no to answering a text is a healthy thing, or this is the time that I'm not. And, and I feel like those, those are really important things. And I haven't met a really exceptional leader who has accomplished something exceptional that hasn't had a season where they decided not to do something that they loved That's interesting. in order to focus on this one thing. Yeah. Um, but what you, what you can't, what you can't say no to is taking care of yourself. That's right. the only thing you can't say no to. Yeah. But that's what we do, yeah. right, when we don't do it on purpose. But, I mean, whether it's Andy Stanley giving up his, you know, he still, I still hurt for him. He talks about, you know, the kids came along, I had the church, and I loved music. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to give up. I wasn't going to say no to my kids. I yeah. wasn't going to say no to the church. And so I sold all my equipment. I was like, oh, that seems aggressive, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he knew himself. Like, right. I, if mm-hmm. it's around here, I'm going to, you know, disappear into the basement for four hours, and that's yeah. going to be me my thing and now I think he's getting back into it now the kids are gone and stuff like that but 
you know, it's just like, and so I feel like I'm kind of at that point in my life too. Yeah. I think I wrote in my weekly report the other day, I was like, I have got to figure out what I'm not going to do. And I can't think of anything that I don't love right. that I'm doing right now. You know, I mean, I can think of lots of little things I don't love. Like I could give up expense reports. I could, right. give up, you know, <laughs> like those sorts easy. of things, calling yeah. back certain people, those sorts right. of things. <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, you know, like it's, it's this, like, I can't do all this and I love all this. So what am I? Not going to do, you know? Crystal, you said something, you had a mentor or someone older or wiser um, who said, you're teaching people what time to call you. That's I think awesome. it's, I think that is important to pay attention to people who are further along um, mm-hmm. life stage or professionally or whatever that are able to look back with the clarity and perspective that you don't have being in the middle of it yeah. and listen to those people I'm speaking into. They can I tell you where the potholes are in the road. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a senior pastor once and I was sitting in his office near Claps and he's like, that's really great, Charlie. He goes, who made your calendar? He goes, who scheduled all that? Sheepishly, I did. Yeah. Right. And it's too much and I can't handle it. But he yeah. was right. A lot of times in student ministry, we do write our own calendars. We do put mm-hmm. those retreats on the calendar. And a lot of times we just back to back everything. Right. Yeah. Because all the things are important. Right. Right. That's good. Chef, you brought up something and I don't I don't know that this is something we want to or don't want to talk about, but I thought it was really interesting is when you came on staff here, you asked us to all do a weekly report. And at first I was like, what? (laughs) But basically it's just, hey, letting your coworkers know what you're doing for the week. And it wasn't a like, I want to check up on you and see if you're actually doing your job. I've come to find that it's really freeing so that everybody around me knows what I'm dealing with. And there's, there is no suspicion of, well, I didn't see you on Tuesday. Well, you can see that I had, you know, these things going on or I was writing this. And I think for me, when I've gotten really good at communicating what I'm doing, there's less pushback when I say it's too much. There's less pushback horizontally with coworkers. There's less pushback from above when I say, Hey, I'm, I'm overloaded and you can, I've communicated and you can see it. Yeah. It's a lot easier to, to talk about that. So I think that's a good point. Most people don't see what we do on a daily basis. You know what I mean? And most people don't understand what we do. You know, I mean, how many times have I heard, so what do you do during the rest of the week? Right. You know? Because you You only work work one day. One day. Like, yeah. (laughs) And even adult ministry people who are like, you know, what are you planning games? I'm like, no, I'm on the phone with defects. You know, like, when's the last time you were on the phone with defects, adult ministry people? You know, like, and defects, by the way, is is that a state thing? It's it's the Department Department of Family and Children, whatever. You know, it's the... We got to call the state when there's an abuse situation. And, right. you know, there are complexities to ministry that people just, they don't understand. And it, it's not necessarily our job, but I think, you know, I went to that weekly report and I think you're right. I hadn't thought about it that way, but it really helps people understand. You're really prepping people for that conversation of, mm-hmm. hey, you know, you've asked me to do this thing and I would love to do this thing. And I'm honored that you would ask to do this thing. But if I do that thing, what's the thing that I Right. That you would rather me not do then. And here are the things, mm-hmm. you know, and you just laid out that clear, it's thought, that well thought out. But, yeah. Um, and if they say, no, I need you to do all those things, just say, all right, it's good to know. Good data point, you know. And I've been it, working on, and this has just been helpful for me, scheduling out not just the things that are meetings that I have to go mm-hmm. to with other people, but also the things that nobody sees. Right. Um, like how long it takes to write a sermon. Yeah. Like that goes on the calendar now so that I know I can't plan other things during the sermon writing time because that takes a a lot of time. time. Yeah. 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 I've found I have to put downtime or white space is what I call it on my calendar. 
Mm-hmm. Or it just gets filled. That's a good sure. tip. Schedule you know? so it's in a, the day. It's an event yeah. on mm-hmm. my calendar to yeah. not have an event. You know, That's good. So. For me, it was boundaries for a family. My daughter was in kindergarten when I first started in ministry. Mm-hmm. And I was transitioning out of teaching middle school into working in the church. And of course, it was very time consuming. Right. I felt like mm-hmm. that 40 hours a week was a joke. It was 60 plus <laughs> hours a week. <laughs> but I know for me, I sacrificed a lot of my family time for church. And I think having a boundary saying, no, my daughter's dance recital comes first. And -hmm. that's when I'm going to attend versus an admin council meeting. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, And so, and I think letting your staff know, especially for me, I have personal vocational values and I have those values set and I want my job values to align with my personal values. And when I'm looking at a job, my family needs to come first. And a lot of churches would not say, mm, you really need to be at this council meeting versus a dance recital for mm-hmm. a kindergartner. Mm-hmm. But for me, I say families first, right? So it's knowing your personal boundaries, knowing who you are. And then when you're going into the job, saying up front, here's what comes first mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. So the Apostle Paul is super interesting here in that one, in one hand, he's talking about you shouldn't get married, mm-hmm. you know, if, you, if you're going to jump into this, which I've heard used like, Hey, you've, you know, ministry comes first. And I think people have used it to rationalize not taking care of the family. But Paul also says you should take care of your family, Yeah, you know, if you have it. And so we find ourselves in this place where you're like, what's your primary calling? Maybe, you know, like, and, and so if you've, if you found yourself in a place where you're married in ministry, uh, I can say, I think you've been called to ministry. I know you've been called to be a husband or wife. Right. If you find yourself in ministry and you've got kids, I think you've been called to ministry. I know you've been called to be a mom or a dad. And so those are, you know, primary important things. And this is a boundary, isn't it? It is. And maybe the weekly report is the time to do this, to say, what are my primary things? What are the things I'm saying no to? And that should fall in line with, you know what you feel is most important. And if, if you can't, you know, I feel like the apostle Paul's saying, we've been called to a season of ministry that is going to be hard and we're going to pay for it and don't drag other folks into it as well. <laughs> like yeah. that would be irresponsible and not loving. I, I think know. it, I think that's where it gets complicated if you're single. Yeah. Cause I think there is the yes. expectation on right. that because you don't have the family yeah. that, and that gets you can, and weird. Yeah. you can, Put, you don't have to have these boundaries because no yeah. one else is suffering, but ultimately right. you are. So I think yeah. that's where the church doesn't always do a great job at protecting the personal health and not just the family. Yeah, health. That's a great point. And ultimately, whether you're single or you're married, if you are burning yourself out, yeah. you're being irresponsible to whatever you were yes. called to. And right. one of my favorite leaders says, protect the asset. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what Chef says to us all the time is protect the asset. Um, and the asset is you. And maybe yeah. it's because he wants to call us something faith, that sounds like your, asset. I don't your, know. <laughs> it's like we pronunciate your words. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think it's great. But I, I would also say if you are, um, if you find yourself as a husband, a wife, or a mother, or a father, and you're, and you're balancing all of that, you still have to protect your faith right mm-hmm. and you you know yes. and your health because that will help you in those primary ways and we i i have found personally that you know it's just the <laughs> the older my kids get you know i keep thinking oh once they're in school they'll be less right different. No, no it's it you know and it's never going to stop not, we're always going to be worried about our kids it's always yeah yeah so um you know i think it's just a matter of priorities and and ba- that's one level of boundaries is yeah what are my primary callings 
and if you are single, you know, I don't think it's wrong to have the hope for that other calling. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, but you know, you should primarily be taking care of yourself right. in that season. So, or forever. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> you know, I see the same conversation play out all the time with the high schoolers I lead who are honestly having trouble setting boundaries for themselves when it mm-hmm. comes to the amount of work they're doing, the amount of things they're signing up for, the amount of things they're not saying no to, the, the time crunch. They're sometimes much more stressed out yeah. than I am. And one of the things I've been saying to them is a song lyric, because that's how you communicate with high schoolers. <laughs> um, and it's, we're caught when our hands are off the wheel, but our foot is on the gas. Oh, and I have been listening to that in my own head a lot saying like, there's nothing wrong with your foot on the gas. There's nothing wrong with going fast, signing up for a lot of stuff, working hard, accomplishing as much as you can accomplish. But are your hands still on the wheel? Like, are you still? And I ask myself that a lot lately. Like, are you still in control? Right. Are you still making the rules for yourself? Are you still allowing other people to follow the rules that right. you set for yourself? And that's mm-hmm. been helpful with 11th graders. Are you being mastered <laughs> by your schedule? Yes. yes. Yeah. Mastered yeah. by your schedule. That's so. good. That is great. Well, this has been a super helpful and insightful conversation. I love how honest you guys have been with how you're trying to make this work in your own lives. So to wrap up, I would love if each one of you could just recommend a resource that you found helpful as you've kind of been learning how to practice boundaries in your own life. And then we'll have a link to all these things in the show notes. So Charlie, what would you recommend to student pastors? Well, a book I've read at least three times recently mm-hmm. is Present Over Perfect by okay. Shauna Nequist. Yep. Mm, very good. good. Very Such challenging. Good yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Is Great. it two women or is it a general? Audience? I would definitely think it's more towards women. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's great. I just didn't know if she's writing too. If it, anyway, I think but she uses get this helpful. visual instead of, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about her content on. I think, yeah. Well, I don't Let's know. Do Am I allowed to? There's this visual she uses in the book of what I want is to eat a strawberry, but instead I run to the gas station and I stick my head under the like the strawberry fruit icing machine <laughs> and I just let it run. And she was like, that's what I feel like I'm doing with my life. I really want something very real and small. And instead I'm just... That's a great visual. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. That's really I good. That. I love that. Chris, what would you recommend? Um, I'm not going to recommend a resource. I'm going to recommend some homework. Oh, Um, and it's because it really has been helpful to me. Find a way to communicate to your leadership what you're doing every day. Okay. And maybe for you, it's the weekly report. Mine is super simple. It's highs and lows from the last week, my schedule for each day Mm -hmm. and the to-do list. And just finding a way to be, when you're honest and open-handed with what you're doing, Yeah you're less likely to feel guilty when you say, I really can't do one more thing. So that's That's my homework. Very helpful. I mean, if this is new for you, the, you know, there's a book called Boundaries, which is, you know, kind of the basic John Townsend, Henry Cloud wrote it so many years ago. Um, There may even be a boundaries for youth pastors. So there's a boundaries for for lots of things. So you should check those out. I mean, there's just some great big ideas on how you draw the line between what's your responsibility and what's not. And then um, I really enjoyed, for the most part, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scazzaro, is that his name? Mm -hmm. Pete? Pete Scazzaro. It's it's been out probably for 10 years as well, but it it really hits at some of these taking care of yourself realistically stuff. I mean, I think it's it's a great resource. Some things in it I took and some I didn't, but it really helped me think through some things. I love that. That's great, guys. Well, that wraps up today's episode on setting boundaries for your student ministry. Thank you so much for joining us for the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love you to subscribe to the podcast through your podcast app and leave us a review. And if you want to learn more about the student curriculum and strategy we're all a part of at Orange, visit our website, rethinkingym.org. Until next time, thanks for listening.